Well, they were, they were walking along. They were the disciples, and they were going with Jesus, headed toward Capernaum. But there was a little bit of a murmur and an undercurrent as there was kind of an argument that was just below the surface that was taking place. We're in the 18th chapter of Matthew. We just finished chapter 17 a few weeks ago. And chapter 17 ended at Capernaum on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and there you can see the ruins today. And there, they, if you go, as you go there, there are places I say, this, this maybe was Peter's, Peter's house. Peter lived in Capernaum. That was his hometown. And some, people, some commentaries think that chapter 17 and what we're going to look at this morning may have taken place there in Peter's house. As we look at Matthew 18, it just, it just starts off by saying that at the same time, now, the same time means that at the same time that what was happening in verse seven, chapter 17, you remember, was where uh, the people came and outside, they said to Peter, well, your master pays taxes, don't he? And Peter just, sure, sure, Jesus pays taxes. I'm sure he does. And then he comes in the house and Peter, Jesus reminds Peter. And so he sends Peter to catch a fish to pay, and the fish has money in its mouth to pay both his taxes and the Lord's taxes. Verse chapter 18 then says at the same time. So it was, it was the same place. I want to go to Mark 9. We'll come back to Matthew 18. But, but Mark is sharing the same story, the same incident. And he's just sharing it from his perspective as the Holy Spirit lets us look at another facet of this. And that's in Mark chapter 9. And I've given them verse 33, but I'm just going to back up and, and pick it up with verse 30. Because verse 30 says, and as they departed there, they passed through Galilee. And Jesus really was, didn't want anyone to know about it. He, he was, at Jesus at this point is uh, his earthly ministries, his, his miracles and, and the proclamation of who he was. He's done that. Now he's headed toward the cross. And he's wanting to pour into these disciples, these, these 12 followers, as much as he can about what's going to happen. His crucifixion his resurrection, and what's, he's trying to prepare them for that. So that's what he was wanting to happen. And it says that he, he, he didn't know it, for he taught his disciples, verse 31 of Mark 9 says, that the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they didn't understand all he was talking about, and they were afraid to ask him. Verse 33 says, and when they got to Capernaum, and they got in the house, Jesus asked them, what was it that you were disputing or that you were arguing about? What, what, what were y'all talking about on the way that you were arguing? And verse 34 says, but they, they didn't say anything because they were embarrassed. Because on the way, they had been discussing among themselves who was going to be the greatest in his kingdom. Now, the word here for greatest is a word that, that uh, carries with it uh, this meaning. Let me just, just the, the definition is who was, was because of age or because of uh, uh, prestige or because of status was going to have the preeminent place. And so really what they were, they were asking while he was talking about dying, they were thinking about his kingdom. He was a Messiah. They had left everything to follow him. And, uh, and so surely it was getting close to the time that he was going to set up this kingdom. After all, he's talking about these, this dying stuff. And so 
in that context, we understand a little bit of, of, of why they ask this. The question is not so far out in left field. I mean, Matthew could say, hey, I left everything to follow Jesus. I had a great career. I had a great job. I, I had a money-making job, and I was set financially, and I, and I, and, and I left that to follow him. And Matthew could say, you know, Matthew could say, hey, I, and I've got, uh, I've have, uh, I have uh, uh, administrative skills. I've got a lot of skills and talents you can use, that I can use in your kingdom. Maybe I'm going to be the greatest. And I can, I can imagine John Young, he was a young, one of the young guys hung out with the disciples there that Jesus had called. And John probably said, oh, you know, guys, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm young. He's going with a younger generation. And, and after all, he loves me more than he loves y'all, you know. I, I've gotten this habit of telling my grandkids, I love, I love them more than any other. And, and I tell each one of them that, and they know that, and they get together. And when they all get together, I say, I don't love any of you. <laughs> but John could have said, John could have said, you know, hey, I'm young. I'm the younger one. I, surely he's, he's going to go with, this, with, this, with the younger. I'm going to be the greatest. Maybe it would have been Andrew. Andrew could have said, hey, you know, guys, who was the first one? Who was the first one to come and find them that found him? And came and told you all about him. I was the first one. I'm, I'm the one, you know, that he revealed himself to first. I'm going to be the greatest. And I'm sure Peter, who was the older one of the crowd, the old man of the crowd, I picked a little kid up this morning. I was slinging him around and holding him and slung him up. And this kid looked at me and said, wow, for an old man, you're still strong. <laughs> Lord, that'll humble you. Should have body slammed, but it did Peter could have said, hey, I'm the oldest. And after all, didn't, didn't Jesus, he, he renamed me Rocky. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe I'm going to be the, you know, he's going to go with experience and wisdom. And I've got more experience than all you other guys. But, you know, and so they were arguing about this because they were saying, who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to be greatest? Now, Mark tells us that at this point, Jesus tells them, that if any man wants to be the first, he shall be last. He will be the servant of all. But let's go back now to Matthew 18 and kind of pick up and follow the story here in, in Matthew 18. A after all, people are, people are so funny. They really are. They want to sit in the front of the car, want to sit in the back of the church, and want to be the center of attention. Uh, yeah. And it reminds me of a story a pastor told me one time about a young girl. Uh, in the congregation, and, and uh, he said, one Sunday, the young girl came up to him and said, Pastor, I've got a problem. And he's thinking, you know, some, hey, there's God's Holy Spirit. And she said, I've got a problem. She said, I, there, I have a besetting sin that is bothering me. Maybe you can help me. And then he didn't know what he was going to do with it. She, he said, well, what is it? She said, well, I, I know we're to be humble, and I know that. But she said, when I sit in church on Sunday morning, I look around. She said, I can't, can't help but thinking that I'm the prettiest girl in our church. And she said, I, don't, I know I shouldn't be thinking that way. way. I know it's sinful, but, but I can't help it. Maybe you can help me. <laughs> and the pastor said, he kind of looked at her and, and, and smiled, said, Mary said, said, don't worry about it. Said, in your case, it's not a sin. It's just a horrible mistake. <laughs> so, so, you know, you know how people can be this way. So, so they, in verse 8, and chapter 18 says that uh, as they, at that time, the disciples said to Jesus, who's the greatest in, your, in the kingdom of heaven? And, uh, 
again, they were probably saying, who do you see as the most spiritually mature? Who, who is at this place that you're gonna, that's going to have this honored position? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst. Mark says that Jesus took a little child up in his arms. And Jesus then tells him in Matthew 18, 3, Jesus said, verily I say unto you, and that's like saying, hey, listen to me, guys. Listen to me. Except you be converted and become as little children, you'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever therefore shall, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest or is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And who shall not receive, who shall receive one of these little child in my name receives me. But who shall offend me, okay, let me get my glasses, I'm sorry here. Oh yeah, there, but who shall offend one of these little ones which believes in me, it'd be better for him that the millstone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, the, the Jews hated drowning. They, they, that was not something that the Romans drowned uh, when someone was to be executed, they would sometimes they would drown them. That was a, a form of execution. The Jews didn't. That was to them is almost uh, the worst thing you could ever imagine. They didn't even do that. So Jesus, in saying this, is, is is trying to convey to them the seriousness of what he's saying, and especially the seriousness of uh, offending means to cause to go astray. One of these little kids. Wow. Wow. Now let's look at, let's back up and take a look at what Jesus said. Who's going to be great? Who's the greatest? And the, and the message this morning is the way to greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus calls this young child, little, little child, and he says, except ye be converted. Literally means doing a 180. It's going in one direction and turning and going exactly in the opposite direction. The Bible calls that, another word we use for that a lot of time is called repentance. It's turning, it's changing direction, it's turning away from sin and turning toward Christ. There's a little course that we sing a lot of times when we, that's called I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And one of the verses says, the cross before me, the world behind me. The, the sin, the things of the world that, we, that so enthralled us, that so enamored us, that, so, that had our attention, that had, our, that had us almost in the, and hooked past the barb. And Jesus said, there comes a time when you realize, as, as the songs, all three of the songs are saying this morning, there comes a time when you realize to continue this route is continued to continue to death and destruction and an eternity separated from Christ and from all that's good. And so I need to change directions and turn completely around and look toward Christ. Jesus would say it this way to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Remember, Nicodemus was a, was a uh, significant ruler or teacher of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night secretly. And he asked him, he said, what, good master, what, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus answered Nicodemus and it's the same answer. It's the only answer. It's the only answer. 
that God's word gives us. Now, the world will have you a lot of routes, and they say it doesn't matter. You can go this road. You can go that road. You can go way over here and go this road. As long as you're sincere about what you believe, you're going to, it's okay. God will take care of that because he's a loving, good God. He's a loving, good God that gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for my sins and your sins, and that loves us enough to tell us that the only way to eternal life, the only way to salvation, the only way for forgiveness and freedom that we've been singing about and talking about this morning is through through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and the cross of Calvary. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, verily, verily, I say unto you. He said, Nicodemus, listen to me. Except a man be born again, he'll not even see the kingdom of God. Can you imagine in eternity as Satan laughs and mocks and the demons cheer? Can you imagine those that have listened to the, the, the lies and, of, of the enemy, listened to the words and the wisdom of the world, and thought simply by being sincere and doing good things that that was going to be enough? God's word is so clear, and he loves us so much that he wanted us to know this. He wanted us to know this, that he loves us, and that the way to eternal life is by repentance and turning away from the world and looking toward Christ being a born again. And I love the fact that he brought a child. Now, I've thought about this. I've had time to think about this for, for several weeks, really, this message. And this morning early, I'm, I was praying, Lord, it's, it's, this, it's, this, it's a child. It's the greatness of the child. You bring the child up there. The, the greatness. Lord, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you saying? Unless we become as a little child, be converted. Okay, I got, but now become as a little child. What do you mean? What does he mean? That's, I think, that's, we need to know that. We got to know that. What did he mean? Taylor, and uh, we've, uh, we've, we've started playing this little game called, it's a match game. Now, it's where you take your cards and you turn them over and you try to match. And I just, we use Christian cards. They're, they're, uh, uh, one of them is about Noah and the ark, the dove released and the dove returns and Different things like that, I, I, you know. And uh, you turn them all down, and then you, you turn them over to one, two at a time, and you try to match them. If you match, you get them. Well, she's pretty good at that. Now, she's a young, she's she four or five. She's four. <clears throat> she's pretty good at that. And it's kind of got that her brother, uh, Zane, and Mackenzie, the other, the three younger, the grandkids, and they're, they're into that. But now Taylor's good. And Taylor said to me one day, she said, I'm really good at this. I can beat you all the time. And I thought, okay, okay, little girl. And I told her, I said, it's time I teach you a little humility. And she said, how do you play that? How do you play that game? Well, as, as, as children, I believe what Jesus is saying is that, that unless you accept you be converted and become as little children, you see, to me, there is something about childlike faith and trust and humility that we must learn. First of all, I think we have, I think we have to, we, we, that's, that's part of, of trust in him. We come to him believing he'll do what he said he would do. I had, a brother, I had a brother, I still have a brother, and a lot of you know him, Terry. He's amazing. I'll never forget, though, when Terry and Darlene had their first child, Nathan. He was our youth pastor for a good while. And uh, Terry would say, Nathan was, I don't know, 
18 months old, two, two years old maybe, I don't know. But I can remember him setting him up on the hood, on the cab of the truck and tear it back off and say, jump to me, I'll catch you. And here we go, them little feet, and he'd just jump. Daddy's sitting on the porch, son, what in the world are you doing? You're going to kill that kid. You're crazy. Stop that stuff. And Terry would do all kinds of stuff, and he'd just tell Nathan, to, and Nathan, he just did it. Why? He trusted his daddy. His daddy was going to do what he said he would do. If his daddy said, trust, jump, I'll catch you, he, he believed it. If his father said, do this, it'll be okay. He believed that. And Jesus, there's something about this trusting uh, a child. I mean, the trust that they have. It's, it's not like, and, and, and he says this, and in, is in, Jew, in the Jewish culture, kids were, were valued. It's not that they were, weren't, you know, that they were just put in a corner. And, and they valued them. But the but rights, the community rights and the rights as far as they grew in the community, that came as they got older. So their responsibility as a little child basically fell to two things. Respect their elders and obey them. Respect those who were older and obey them. Trust what they said they were going to do and depend on it. That's what Jesus said. Trust your father. Unless you be converted and learn to trust your father and to obey what he says he'll do. Jesus says when we change directions, when we turn the, do the 180 and turn around and go the other direction, we find out that Jesus is already, already there and we're not alone. We're not alone. And we begin to find someone to trust that's bigger than us, that's higher than us, that's stronger than us. We find someone that loves us. We find someone that helps us. We find someone that says, I will lead you. I will guide you. I will go before you. We find someone that's, that says he will be our provider. Wow. Salvation is not just turning away from sin towards Christ, but it's also experiencing the new life that Christ gives us when he comes in to live within us. Jesus is telling them a lot. I found that uh, our journey with Christ in this childlike trust and childlike faith is what I call an adventure of trusting, an adventure of trusting and depending upon our Heavenly Father. There's a lot of things we can learn from kids. I, I remember when I was a counselor in the elementary and middle school, the principal that I worked with was Mr. Elmer Thompson. And Elmer was a good Christian man. Uh, a, a great educator and I, he taught he taught the adult Sunday school class at Avalog Baptist may still be teaching it Elmer's still alive but he had a little he had a little plaque in his office and I remember seeing that and reading it and the little plaque was everything I needed to know about life I learned in kindergarten remember seeing that some of you seen that Robert Fulgram wrote uh, wrote this and uh, let me read this satanic he said mostly of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but was there in the sandbox at, at nursery school. These are the things I learned, he said. Share everything, play fair, don't hit people, put things back where you found them, clean up your own mess. This wouldn't be a bad job description, would it? I'm just looking at this. I could, uh, I'm, some of these are old me. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody, and when you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. Wow. wow. Jesus says, unless you be converted and become as little children, what happens? 
sometimes we get older and we forget. I, I, I found myself uh, preparing for this message. I found myself referencing back, and everything I refer back to is old now. The young kids say, "I don't know what that is," but yeah. Uh, but some of you, some of the older ones will. But there's a there's the old used to be an old set of books called Chicken Soup for the Soul. You remember some of those? And there was some good stuff in that. And I, uh, and I remember reading a story by Ken Blanchard in Chicken Soup for the Soul. And it was about a little girl named Shia. And Shia was four years old when her mommy had her baby brother. And, and you know how four years old. And so uh, she always wanted to be with baby brother. And, 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 and the mama had told her, you know, you have to be careful. You can't, don't, you can't hit them in the head. Don't touch, you know, be careful how you handle them. They're just a baby. And Shia kept saying, mommy, she, can I go to the nursery? Can I go and talk to baby brother by myself? And, they, and, and Shia's mom and dad were afraid that, that they were afraid. Okay, they were afraid that a four-year-old's going to go in and going to throw a toy into the crib. Here, you can play with this toy or do something that will hurt the baby. But Shia was adamant. She just kept on and on and on. So one day... Mom and dad had decided, and then one day she was asking, and they said, okay, you can, go, you can go talk to baby brother. She said, by myself. Okay. But they decided they were going to look through, they were going to crack the door, be sure. And Ken tells the story how little Shia goes into the nursery and says that, that uh, she, she gets as close to his face as she can, and the mom and daddy hear her say this, baby, Tell me what God feels like. I'm starting to forget. Wow. Tell me what God feels like. I'm starting to forget. Can you imagine that? This is, a, this is, this is something looking around here. Need me a young one. Where's the young one at? What's her name, Mandy? Aubrey, Mandy, bring Aubrey up here. Come here, Aubrey, you got a backpack. I like that. She don't, she don't want to come, Mandy. She don't want to come. It's okay. Leave her. It's okay. She don't want to come, Mandy. I don't think Aubrey wants to come. <laughs> Just let, let Aubrey stay there. Jesus, Jesus comes down, and, he, and Mark says that he took a little child, and he, and he held him in his arms. He sat down. That's, that's fine. She, she don't need to come. But he, he took this kid and he set him right here. And he called all the 12. Mark says that he called the 12. And he said, I want to show you something. He said, the greatest in the kingdom is becoming like this. Now, I, I, I was thinking about that. If he had said the greatest in the kingdom is Matthew because he's got the, he, has the, he had the, the administrative skills. A lot of us would look and say, man. I, I don't have that. I can never be that. If you had said the greatest in the kingdom is because John and because of his enthusiasm and his excitement, uh, there's some of us would look and say, man, I, I, I can never do that. If he had even said that the greatest in the kingdom was Peter because of his wisdom and his age and his experiences, there's some of us who said, I'll never get there. But he took this child and he said, the greatest in the kingdom is to become like this. Trusting just trusting, obeying him. Jesus was saying, you know, because I wanted to answer the question, who, who was the greatest? Who's the greatest? And Jesus was saying, we all can be. We all can be. When we come to him, humbly, trusting, and obeying. 
Wow. Thank you for that, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that, I guess for this object lesson that, that you decided to, to present to these 12 men. And you said, hey guys, look up, listen up. This is important. This is important. I want you to get this. And this morning you've wanted us to understand that greatness is not in doing great things. For you even. Lord, sometimes we, um, I guess we get kind of deceived or tricked in thinking that if, if we do a lot of good things for God, you'll love us more. And that's so far from true. Your word tells us that your grace and your mercy extend your love for us, not because of what we do or who we are, but it's because of what you did on Calvary and because of who you are. And that there may be, there may be rewards, there may be uh, things that, that come that way, but as far as your grace and love, you extend them toward us freely. That's overwhelming. And Lord, you wanted these men to understand that. And you wanted these men to understand that it's in that simply receiving those, that grace and that rewards or, or uh, that mercy as we become as little children to you. So Father, now as we, as we get ready to share the communion of your table, I pray that you'd help us to look at that and to grasp that of how much you loved us to die for us so that we could become children of God and be great in your kingdom. Thank you for that in Jesus' name.